0: Tucson and all of Southern Arizona. Welcome live out of the Common Workspace studios. You're listening to Tipping Point with Zach Yenser on AM1030K, VOI, The Voice, the in-depth news, conversation and talk about the people, ideas and issues shaping Tucson's future. I am your host, Zach Yenser, And uh, around here, we'll kick it off with a happy, happy Friday Eve. It is Thursday, April 28th. Good morning, Matt. And to all of our listeners, we're almost there. We made it.
1: Morning, Zach, and today is also uh, officially uh, Thank You Thursday. It's uh, in the list of holidays and observances, so it's uh, we got another name for Thursday.
0: I love it. Well, today we should say thank you then <clears throat> to all of our listeners and all of our sponsors who uh, truly make the dream work here on the show. Uh, you and I could have a fun chat for now every day, Matt, but uh, the only way it gets broadcast is you pushing the buttons, of course. But listeners and sponsors making it happen, so. Happy to be here every day, and we, we thank our, we thank everybody who makes it happen absolutely. appreciate that. appreciate the support. support our sponsors absolutely. I, I do want to know who um who lobbied for that special holiday, I and mean, we have so many holidays, holidays for everything. I wonder who was like, we need to have a thank you day
1: I don't know i I, <laughs> I will research that and uh, and uh, get back to you on it oh i will man. I will research the uh, roots of thank you Thursday. <laughs>
0: I mean it's a good holiday. It's a good day of celebration. Gratitude but. is a good
1: thing, Zach. It's always a good thing, right? So
0: <laughs> it is. It is. But I'm just curious, you know, who wakes up and goes, We need a thank you day? Um so yeah, if you find any information on that, Matt, I would I would appreciate it.
1: <laughs> you bet.
0: <laughs> oh man, today on this Thursday show, uh the first half will be with me. Give me a call, five two zero seven nine zero at twenty forty is the live line number to join the conversation. At the bottom of the hour, Devin Underwood will join us, the uh, founder uh, and uh, leader of the Talent Store, principal of the Talent Store, we'll talk about uh, this crazy labor market we continue to be in and and in it, we try to provide insight and advice on the program on a a fairly regular basis to uh, so many of the business owners and organizational leaders in, in our community who do listen to the show. Uh, we want to tap into devin's brain and figure out how do you attract retain keep support uh the, the talented people that you uh, have in your organization we have in Tucson. how do we keep them here and keep them in your organization so that's where we will uh, that's where we will go for the rest of the hour uh, but to, to kick us off today uh, a, a segment or two from me and again give me a call 520-790-2040 i want to talk about uh, a uh, the progressive city of Portland uh, and an interesting piece that a friend uh, sent me yesterday around transportation and I see some potential connections today and in the future to Tucson that I wanted to riff on because I think it's important and so that's where I want to go here for a minute a friend of mine sent me this interesting piece that came out a week ago in the New York Times uh, titled Can Portland be a climate leader without reducing driving? Now, there's many layers in this that I could talk about. I'm only going to talk about one of them, but it's in the New York Times. If you want to read the entire piece, it's a long-form piece. Can Portland be a climate leader without reducing driving? So so here here are a couple of things that stood out to me. Uh, Norte Sur here in Tucson is an effort to look at a north-south uh, multimodal transit option. We talk about transportation a lot on this program. Uh, we talk about getting neighborhood roads fixed. We talk about the Regional Transportation Authority and should that be renewed and what does that go to. So this is all top of mind. A couple interesting items and then some thoughts for Tucson. The essence of this piece is that Portland has tried harder than most American cities to coax people out of their cars. Uh, its residents in 2019 drove the third-fewest miles per day in this country, which is an interesting statistic. But despite efforts, reports the New York Times, the number of cars and trucks uh, on its roads has kept rising, and the suburbs have grown in Portland. There's a lot to this piece, but a part that stood out to me is that in some parts of Portland, particularly near downtown, uh, you can go car-free. Right, and, and this is my personal story connection. And I talk about this too. I, uh, I I'm kind of that uh, cartoonish anomaly where I get to use public transportation. More on that in a minute. But I also own a minivan. Right, and so much of this conversation, quick rabbit trail, becomes this uh, cartooning, cartoon, caricaturing, whatever the word is, um, where if you like public transit, you hate cars, and if you like cars, uh, then just people who eat a lot of granola use the streetcar. And that's just not how the real world works. not how my real world works. I have three kids, five and under. I need a minivan. You got to have a car in so many ways in Tucson. But I'm also lucky where I had two or three meetings yesterday and between my office and and all of that. I got to use the streetcar two or three times back and forth. Um, I live in this cool reality that wasn't totally on purpose, but how it worked out where my my kids' school and my home and my place of worship and my office is within a one and a half square mile area. So it works for me. I take both. I use both. Uh but I have the opportunity available to me. And it works for me where I am in my point uh you know point in life at this point in time. Uh and so like like Tucson in Portland, particularly near downtown, you can go car free. Obviously to a much greater extent than you can Tucson. in Tucson. And Tucson, we're we're kind of taking our baby steps on this experiment. Uh the the, the piece goes on, but four miles east, automobiles are uh prominent in diverse and low income neighborhoods there's no bike lanes walkability is low most of portland is not dense enough to support transit available in the city center housing prices in portland's most walkable neighborhoods have skyrocketed pushing out lower income residents out to more suburban areas where it's difficult to get around without a car so again we're we're in this we're in this uh, portlandia existence Where as a city, there's many things that they have done, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, correctly to to try their hardest to get people out of cars. Created the first bridge just for pedestrians and cyclists in the country. Residents drove third fewest miles per day in 2019. And still, they are not seeing full-on success in shifting from car to multimodal transportation. And if you are wealthy enough and you can live in downtown, and the wealthy part doesn't um, work for me in Tucson. I, I don't have personal wealth. It's not how I got downtown. I couldn't buy the home I bought downtown now if I tried. I just want to clarify that. Uh, but in ma- many respects, it's often the wealthy, the upperly mobile, uh, and, and often uh, uh, politically progressive individuals who can afford to and want to live in downtown areas. And Portland is still No different. So why am I saying all this? What is the what is the Tucson connection? Portland has this thing called an urban growth boundary. Uh, They have wanted to limit urban growth out, so they set a boundary, but the constraints of building and building more density in the center is high. Starting to sound familiar. In 2016, it was reported that in the last 15 years, so since 2000, the metro urban growth boundary in Portland expanded, actually grew out to add more than 32,000 acres of land. Since 2000, those areas that expanded have only seen 8,500 new housing units, about 7% of new dwellings built since 2000. And you know what? We see similar numbers in Tucson. I didn't get a chance to go pull those numbers, uh, but the amount... Uh, of housing that has been built since 2000 in the city of Tucson is about the same percentage uh, of our total stock in the city. We have just not been building homes. Since 2000, what we've built is extremely low in comparison to other periods <clears throat> of Tucson's existence. In Tucson, we don't have an urban growth boundary on a map, but we do in terms of our policy making. Environmental interests push back on growth out Neighborhood interests often push back on growth up. Environmental interests push back on growth out. Neighborhood interests push back on growth up. And I know we're about to time on this, but I want to go a little bit longer because it doesn't make sense to stop now. Here, here, here's here's the thoughts that this triggered, that this triggered for me in, in Tucson, as in many other places. Uh, we are discussing this idea called equitable transportation, how do we provide different modes of transportation for a diversity of people across our city? And in Tucson, like many cities across the country, we are saying, hey, how do we provide options other than cars to move people around? And I think it is time that most American cities, but let's just focus on Tucson. I think this Portland story um, shows that maybe equity is the wrong word for what we're trying to talk about. Because I think we're we're really trying to, or what we should be talking about is opportunity. You can have all the streetcars in the world. You can have all the bus rapid transit uh, in the world. You, you can have all the bus systems and pullouts in the world. If you don't have Uh, 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 a transportation ecosystem where there is a density of housing and a density of business and and jobs near that if you're you're not committed to the built environment you're not going to get people using public transportation and you're going to get a Portland situation where if you are rich enough and upwardly mobile enough you can live downtown but four miles away in Portland you're driving a car because you've been pushed out because housing prices are too high because there's not enough supply. You're not creating enough jobs. There's not economic opportunity. And all you can use is a car. I'm mixing a couple of different conversations here. You can probably tell. But I think the, the conversation here is opportunity. It, 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 Tucson can talk about multimodal transportation, but until it breaks through the inevitable political backlash against density and job growth an opportunity. If we don't create a city where it even makes sense in the first place to consider non-car transportation, not only are we not going to have non-car transportation, but it's not going to be equitable. And we keep using the word equitable and I get why, but I think the right word is opportunity. And like in Portland, we make it too hard to build new housing. We don't build it fast enough. We create too much restriction too much regulation. We're not committed enough to economic opportunity. We're not creating scenarios where it makes sense to be able to live in a different environment than we live now. And that is gonna have to be a difficult conversation with environmental and neighborhood interests. I'm a neighborhood association president. I'm, I'm, I'm one of this crew. It's gonna be a hard conversation. But none of this happens without the built environment and a commitment to some level of growth. And Tucson is not committed to growth. Tucson is not committed to smart growth, and until we are committed to smart growth, we're not going to see equity, we're not going to see transportation, we're not going to see climate impact, none of that. I think it's time we start looking at opportunity, maybe more than we are looking at equity. Just a thought. Agree or disagree with any of this doesn't make sense at all. Zach, you should have had more decibel coffee before you got on the air this morning. Give me a call, 520-790-2040. We'll be back after a short break. One more quick segment from me. And then uh, Devin Underwood will be with us. We'll try to keep making sense of Tucson's labor market. We'll be right back here on Tipping Point. I'm your host, Zach Yenser.
2: The next generation of talk. Tipping Point with Zach Yenser, 1030, The Voice. With preseason and the season opener in the books, FC Tucson is looking forward to a great season, and John Perlman and his squad aren't slowing down. Join your FC Tucson soccer club Saturday, April 30th, May 7th, and May 20th for Let's Go 520 Night, celebrating this great city. Get your season or game tickets at FCTucson.com and Let's Pack Kino Stadium this
0: season. That's FCTucson.com Zach Yenso here, and I'm so excited to be a part of the launch of the Little Love Burger as they're growing in Tucson. Located just a few hours down from the Rialto Theater, Little Love Burger serves up the juiciest scratch-made hamburgers, loaded hot dogs, ice cream milkshakes, lovable local brews, and the most addictive breakfast sandwiches. Little Love Burger is open Sunday through Thursday, 11 to 9, and Friday and Saturday, 11 to 10. You can follow their B on Instagram and Facebook at Little Love Burger Tucson. Don't you want some burger to
3: love? Tucson homeowners. Do you have equity in your home and would like to sell, but are afraid that you won't be able to find a new place in this market? Well, you're not alone. That's why CNC Partners has put together an innovative way to make your next home dream come true. They work with local investors who can purchase your home for cash, pay above market value, waive the appraisal, and provide you with the option to lease your home back to you for 12 months until you can find a new home in the Tucson market. If you'd like to see what that cash offer might look like with no obligation, go to tucsoncash Chauffeur.com.
0: And we're back, Tucson, and all of southern Arizona. Good morning to you. I'm your host, Zach Yancey. You're listening to Tipping Point. And, Matt, thank goodness the Decibel uh, uh, Coffee Works is in Tucson. I've needed coffee this morning, and uh, they're run by a great local team of people. The coffee has finally kicked in, by the way, Uh, and uh, lucky for you. Uh, You'll find a variety of great coffee, drinks, beans, pastries, and more. Uh, There's also rumor ice cream is on its way in 2022. You can go to their website, decibel, D-E-C-I-B-E-L, coffeeworks.com. You can visit their location at 267 South Avenida del Convento off the I-10 and uh, uh, Cushing there. I mentioned you heard about them on Tipping Point with Zach Genser for 10% off your next order on anything you buy. And uh, the answer rate is growing. That's now uh, two. Right? Yes, it's it's the new Rogers rate, Matt. That's right. Step, step told aside, it Aaron be a Rogers. Thing. Did I tell step you? Step aside. You did. It's becoming. You were the inspiration, Matt. I was like, huh? You know, maybe the maybe the maybe the local Rogers rate <laughs> should uh, should expand. My goodness. Well, I'm glad it expanded
1: uh, to coffee. Coffee is one of the joys of life. So uh, that's a great yeah. place for the answer rate to expand to.
0: I gotta, I gotta tell you, this 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 show would be very different if Zach answer was not drinking coffee during it. I can tell you that. <laughs> oh man, uh, Devin Underwood is up next at the bottom of the hour news break. After the bottom of the hour news break, uh, we'll talk about Tucson's labor market. We started today talking about a piece a friend sent me from the New York Times. Can Portland be a climate leader? without reducing driving. It was a long segment. I won't get into it and repeat it. You can listen back to the podcast. But uh, I think I have found uh, as close as there is to a silver bullet to tackling almost everything we speak about on this show and other shows and other mediums in this, in this city, uh, a silver bullet for, uh, for tackling transportation, for tackling city budgets, for tackling uh, uh, poverty, for tackling better roads, for tackling better parks, uh, for tackling keeping people here and attracting them in. I think I have found, and it stems from the conversation we had in the last segment, as close to a silver bullet as there is. And I think it in, in so many ways is as simple as this. Build more housing, create more jobs. Right, and and this comes from this piece about how, you know, Portland, if you are wealthy enough, upwardly mobile enough, uh, and you look and you act a certain way, and you can be in Portland, you can take public transportation and bikes work four miles to the east, uh, you can't. And so how did one of the most uh, 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 other than car system friendly city get to a point uh, where uh, the number of cars and trucks <clears throat> on its roads has kept rising. The suburbs have grown. I made the point um, that unless you are committed enough to uh, an environment where it makes sense, uh, where you are committed to the built environment of more housing that is dense enough with jobs and retail and business and commerce around it, you're not going to have any kind of equitable anything. I think opportunity is the better word. And in Tucson, we just aren't committed simply, we aren't committed to more housing, we're not committed to more jobs. We just aren't. Even if we say we are, the policy we make, the, the tone that we set uh, does not allow for more housing and more jobs. Remember how budgets grow in cities? It's our, it's our, it's the economy, stupid, keep it super simple, stupid, whatever on the show. Uh, city budgets grow when more people buy more goods and services for more people. That means having more people in your boundary with enough of, a, of, of an income to pay the bills and go buy a coffee, go buy goods, go buy services. More money goes to roads. Less people are in poverty. Multimodal transportation becomes an option. I mean, we could go down the list. I've got one minute left, uh, left on the show. That's, that's the silver bullet. I don't like silver bullets because nothing is simple. I think in so many ways it's this simple. Policy should be asking every policy on every day as county, city, town, whatever it is in Arizona, in Arizona, should be asking, does this allow me to either a build more housing or create more jobs? That's it. If you can get those things right, the rest follows. We're 250,000 workforce units short in this state. You want to solve the housing crisis, build more housing, create more jobs that have more income so you can afford the cost of living more houses brings down the cost of living better jobs increases the amount of money you have to spend and grow and thrive costs come down wages naturally go up build more housing create more jobs in so many ways it's that simple and i want to say this lovingly and this is not just one municipality my friends i think in most of our cities and towns and municipalities we either have a commitment to one or the other, but not both, or to neither at all. And, and, and it's going gonna, it's gonna to slowly sap whatever energy that we still have in this community. I'm passionate about it. You can hear it in my voice. Build more housing, create more jobs. That's the policy framework. We'll be right back after Bottom of the Hour News break. Devin Underwood's on the other side. Don't go anywhere.
2: With preseason and the season opener in the books, FC Tucson is looking forward to a great season, and John Perlman and his squad aren't slowing down. Join your FC Tucson soccer club Saturday, April 30th, May 7th, and May 20th for Let's Go 520 Night, celebrating this great city. Get your season or game tickets at FCTucson.com and Let's Pack Kino Stadium this season. That's FCTucson.com.
3: Tucson homeowners, do you have equity in your home and would like to sell but are afraid that you won't be able to find a new place in this market? Well, you're not alone. That's why CNC Partners has put together an innovative way to make your next home dream come true. They work with local investors who can purchase your home for cash, pay above market value, waive the appraisal, and provide you with the option to lease your home back to you for 12 months until you can find a new home in the Tucson market. If you'd like to see what that cash offer might look like with no obligation, go to TucsonCashOffice.com offer.com.
4: When you manage your money with a credit union, you're taking true ownership of your finances and how your money impacts the community. Stop letting banking just happen to you. Bring your money home to Vantage West. Federally insured by NCUA.
1: Helping you make better money decisions is what The Ramsey Show is all about. Today at 1 p.m. on 1030 The Voice.
0: And we're back, Tucson and all of Southern Arizona. Good morning to you live out of the Common Workspace Studios. You're listening to Tipping Point with Zach Yenser on AM1030KVY, The Voice, in Depth news, conversation, and talk about the people, ideas, and issues shaping Tucson's future. I am your host, Zach Yenser. Fun first half. I thought it was fun. First half of the show uh, this this Friday eve, this thank you Thursday, thank you, Matt, uh, that we are now calling i like i like thank you thursday better than friday eve to be honest i might change it matt okay well
1: you know (laughs) send you some information about it too
0: i I appreciate it apparently someone just lobbied for it to be thank you thursday and it passed and uh it is now a a new holiday correct
1: well it's a yes the short version yes
0: Oh, Matt regrets telling me this at the top of the show. He's like, I shouldn't have told him this. Uh, but it's Thank You Thursday. Uh, check Gratitude out. Gratitude uh, is never out of style. Gratitude is never out of style. Amen, sir. Oh, man. Uh, if you missed the first half of the show, you can check it out on the podcast. We're going to turn the page and talk about a bit of a different topic. Devin Underwood is with us, the principal and founder of The Talent Store. Among other things, we're going to talk about the top company culture trends for 2022 and so much more in the time that we have left today. Devin, as always, thanks for uh, being our guide in navigating uh, Tucson's labor market and what our companies and organizations listening need to do to retain attract great talent and, uh, and navigate some, some crazy times. So thank you. It's good to be with you.
4: Hi, Zach. Good morning. Good to be with you.
0: Absolutely, uh, so maybe we start here. Unless you have uh, a different or or better plan, you know. In my head, I often think of organizational or business uh, leaders. What is it from the notebook uh, where they where uh, the male character is asking, "What do you want? What do you want?" It's now a, I think it's now a GIF or whatever, uh, a meme. But I think companies and organizations, as new generations come into the workplace, probably feel that way of. Uh, It just, the the needs and desires of a workplace just seem to change. And it can, I think, be stressful and overwhelming to keep up with it. I'd love to hear in your business, uh, Devin, what are the top culture trends for 2022? What do employees today, especially post-COVID, want from their companies?
4: Yeah, so I, you know, I I try to stay on top of this. And I'm reading the latest data and, and looking up all of the different things. I happened to pull these culture trends for a presentation I did um, for a startup company that has relocated to the Americas and is scaling. They just got another um, successful round of funding, and so they wanted to early think about their culture and think about what they were building and how they stay connected as they start to scale because it gets harder and harder as you grow. And particularly as you grow with dispersed teams. And so we were talking about, you know, connectivity and um, f- feedback, the importance of feedback and how you implement that in each step of your, your day and your life. Um, and then we looked at some culture trends and, you know, I think the first one is, and everybody's been talking about it, but flexibility rules. So meaning it's, flexibility is almost the biggest factor of what people are looking hmm. for right now um, and that can be flexibility of time it can be uh, flexibility of where you work it can mean um, you know flexibility in growth and opportunity. So thinking about what is what's really needed and what needs to be defined and inflexible and then where can you flex where can you give, where can you adjust um, is really important. And then rebuilding connection. I think people felt pretty disconnected um, coming out of a lockdown and all the things that we had to pivot through. So how do you get everybody together? There's lots of companies who want to maybe have more talent options by adding flexibility or adding remote workers. But they have to really relearn or rethink how their workforce is connected to each other now, because it's not just in person. And so how do you build connection? How do you build relationships? How do you have communication channels um, without, and and that stickiness of what relationships are in the workforce? Um, We learned when people locked down that a lot of people were really at their job because of who they worked with. Uh, not necessarily what the role was. And when you took away the connection to who you work with, the role wasn't as interesting to them or wasn't as purposeful or passion connected. And so how do we bring connection back to the workplace? Uh, how do we revisit engagement? And revisiting engagement means, how did you define an engaged employee before? How did you measure engagement? And is it the same? And, and thinking through what that means, um, more personalized recognition, so um, gamifying, recognizing small wins, big wins, you know, maybe the career path is no longer a ladder. Uh, what does that look like for each individual or for each individual role? And then the importance of technology in in um, culture. How are you implementing technology using tools, using resources to strengthen, build, or develop your, the culture you want at your company, and so those are all kind of the five big bullets of the culture trends of 2022.
0: Yeah, no, I think that I think that makes sense. There was, there's two questions that I had, Devin, stemming from this. I think the first one is quicker, and the second maybe a little bit more in depth. The first one is, I have also started to read, and I'd be curious if you're seeing this too. Um, that you know, certainly for millennials, even pre-COVID. Um, there was a desire to see more flexibility, um, in, in the workplace and things like company benefits, certainly for millennials, were, uh, not as important. And I'm hearing po- post COVID that, uh, millennials, but probably even more Generation Z, uh, the younger generation coming in are actually more focused on, you know, less pay raises uh, uh, and maybe even less flexibility and more on health benefits, uh, retirement benefits, kind of an interesting shift there. Uh, fact or fiction, Devin, are you seeing that in your business or is there still this focus mostly on, as you said, flexibility rules?
4: Yeah, you know, I, I think that the data on Gen Z definitely tells us or told us that they were likely going to be less, they're going to be more risk averse.
0: Hmm.
4: Um, they're going to be more interested in long careers in the same job with companies that are recognizable and large. Wow. Um, and, and a lot of that has to do with, uh, well, there's a lot of factors around that. And so what you're saying sort of matches that idea that a lot of studies were telling us was where the trend was going to head. Um, You know, that generation is still just getting into the workforce, and I don't work as much in entry level. And so that's not the conversations I'm having yet. Gotcha. Um, I think when you look at particularly women in the workforce, which is one of the biggest losses we've had through COVID, uh, flexibility is still the key to getting them to be able to balance all of the things that are on their plate. And we've lost a lot of mid-career and leadership females um, and continue to lose them in the data. And so when you look at that, it's still very much at mid-career and leadership, flexibility is a huge piece of that puzzle. Still, Um, it remains to be seen what happens with Gen Z and, and as their lives shift because of where they are in their life right now, that may change too. Right You know as they add families, as they get into different pieces of their career, we might see a shift to a flexibility need as well.
0: Fair enough. And I think that's a great lead into, uh, and I was hoping we'd have time in this segment and we do, so that's great, is I think the conundrum uh, between the first two culture trends, that being flexibility, which you define as collaborating, uh, collaborate in defining where and when employees work and rebuilding connection. I think companies for a while, even pre-COVID, have been trying to figure out how do we provide flexibility while keeping connection? Those two were often in tension with each other. You've outlined them as two things that need to be happening together in parallel. Can mm-hmm. you speak to that a little bit more? How can companies provide the flexibility that employees want uh, but also maintain connection and streamline workflow together?
4: Yeah, leverage technology. Uh, is oh, number the five. the best way to say that. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, so, you know, I think, uh, so here's a case study. I have a client who, you know, very, very niche expertise in the medical device FDA space. And we really struggled to get the expertise they needed that would also move to where they were located, which was Boston. And once they went into lockdown and they were forced to be more open to remote candidates, their options just multiplied and they were able to grow tremendously during COVID. And so the problem that I was helping them with was no longer finding. I mean, it was still finding the right talent, right? Because there's still the vetting and all of those pieces of the puzzle. But we had so many more options for them. So it wasn't solving the options problem. It started to become then, let's talk about integration and onboarding, and how your leaders in the company relearn how to connect with their teams. Because what we found was the people who had been working together could stay connected remotely very easily because they already knew each other and they already had that in-person time together. And those that we were then adding to the team were getting integrated in. And so we had to take a new look at how meetings were led, how technology was lever- leveraged, how HR was creating intentional time to get to know people. You know, some of the things that... Um, We've added, you know, if you're traveling together, now that travel's back and you're going to conferences, what is that intentional team-building time that you're building into that? Um, And then, you know, I always say, like, onboarding bingo, but how are you structuring their, their own ownership of their onboarding? How are you having them make sure they intentionally have virtual coffee with the people they need to be building these relationships with? Whether that's their peers, who they need to report up to, or what departments they may be strategically aligned with or need to collaborate with. How do you get them to get to know each other? And so that's all through leveraging technology and creating intentional practices around that onboarding and integration.
0: So, so interesting. I mean, these conversations, and we'll go to break on this because there's lots more to talk about, but, you know, Devin, these conversations remind me of always, uh, Marissa Mayer, uh, the former, uh, Yahoo CEO, uh, and she famously instituted a sweeping go ahead and work from home policy, um, and then in 2013 she banned it. <laughs> In the sense of, it just, this was 2013. I mean, technology was very different then. Um, But, you know, again, companies have tried some of these things and it just felt like COVID forced everyone to really execute and think about the things that were either optional or had failed. Uh, before now, we had to figure it out, and I think it's just changing so many things up. Obviously, this is not going to apply to a, like a retail or food business per se, um, but uh, other than that, I think these things are in every company at this point.
4: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know, in retail and food, even you know, this is collaborating on on when and how work happens, right? So it's not hard and fast if you hire someone who's in a different state obviously that's a remote person but if you're hiring locally um maybe there is some time where you decide this is in office time where we co-work and collaborate and then other than that you choose when and when you work and how and where um you know you can set up hybrid things but even in retail and restaurant you know for years pre-covid and i think it needs to continue There's questions about on-call. There's questions about giving people a schedule in a timely manner. And even though that's scheduled time where they have to be in person, you're allowing them to structure their life and babysitting and all of the different things that have to happen for them to get to work. Um, You're allowing them that time and grace to collaborate with you on how they make that happen versus just calling them in 30 minutes before their shift. And and there's been a lot of discussion around, is that even fair? And so even in in-person required places, how do you think through that collaboration piece of how you guys work together so the person's ready to work when, when you mm-hmm. need
0: them? Yeah. Yeah, you know. And, and you giving I, them
4: I, time to sort their life.
0: Right. Mm-hmm. No, And I promise I will go to break on this so we don't cut you short on the second, Devin. But I think, you know, as I listen to you, um, you, you know, and, and I would I would just be open with you on this too, as I think a lot of our business owners and leaders would be. Um, I, um, you know, over my years in the workforce, I've managed different sizes of staff. certainly with a larger staff, should I have one? I would be one of those guys that would say, look, uh, I really want everybody back in person I, 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 I'm a, personally mm-hmm. a huge believer that that's how the best work gets done. But even in my current, a uh, uh, role in overseeing some level of staff, Devin. That's not how the real world is working right now. I've had to adapt and go, you know what? Th- we're gonna have to figure out flexibility and do this with technology. Um, and I'm lucky that I guess I'm a little bit more of a native than maybe someone who is you know, maybe twice my age, for example. Um, but it's still not my preferred method, but the real world today requires me to adapt to trends that involve flexibility in work when they're in the office and using technology. So maybe that's an encouragement, Devin, to those listening. I'm one of those guys. I want people in the office. But I also have to live in the real world. And the real world is those five trends you mentioned. So that's my my experience. Thank you for the therapy session, Devin.
4: (laughs) (laughs) No problem. That's what I'm here for. I do it all day long.
0: Uh, is that a segue to the second segment? That was totally by accident. But I think uh, we'll talk about what you do all day long on, on, the other side of the, on the other side of the break. You do have some, um, some, some kind of templates and pathways you help companies through uh, as they are looking at these five culture trends. We'll talk about that on the other side of a very short break. Our last segment of Tipping Point with me, your host, Zach Incer, and our special guest today, principal and founder of the talent store, Devin Underwood. We'll be right back after a short break.
2: show, check out the podcast at kvoi.com.
4: We have exciting news to share here at Impact of Southern Arizona. We have expanded our food bank into a grocery shopping style experience where over 500 families a month come in for food, clothing, and support. Now, Impact needs you. Can you or your business put on a food drive for food and hygiene items that others would normally go without? Learn more and contact us at www.impactsoaz.org.
1: Time with Devon and her team.
0: Zach Yenzo here, and I'm so excited to be a part of the launch of the Little Love Burger as they're growing in Tucson. Located just a few hours down. From the Rialto Theater, Little Love Burger serves up the juiciest scratch-made hamburgers, loaded hot dogs, have ice cream milkshakes, lovable local brews, and the most addictive breakfast sandwiches. Little Love Burger is open Sunday through Thursday, 11 to 9, and Friday and Saturday, 11 to 10. You can follow their beat on Instagram and Facebook at Little Love Burger Tucson. Don't you want some burger to love? With preseason and the season opener in the books,
2: FC Tucson is looking forward to a great season, and John Perlman and his squad aren't slowing down. Join your FC Tucson soccer club Saturday, April 30th, May 7th, and May 20th for Let's Go 520 Night, celebrating this great city. Get your season or game tickets at FCTucson.com and Let's Pack Kino Stadium this season. That's FCTucson.com. This is Bill Buckmaster. We meet Tucson's new transportation director at noon on 1030. Tucson's voice for Trusted News Talk.
0: And we're back Tucson in all of Southern Arizona. We're with Devin Underwood this morning on Tipping Point. I'm your host, Zach Yenser. Devin is the principal and founder of the talent store. In the last segment, we were talking about five culture trends of 2022, workplace culture trends uh, that uh, your employees and workforce are asking for out of their company. And related, Devin, uh, as we get into this and close here, uh, Mm -hmm. did you see the thoughtful piece written by an office donut in the Wall Street Journal a couple weeks ago? (laughs) Uh, There's only one way to get workers back to the office, Devin, donuts and more donuts. Do you agree? Yes. (laughs) <laughs> it's literally yes, written by an office donut. You should go read the piece if you're yes. listening. <laughs> I think
4: there is no better tool to connect anybody than free food. Right. No technology can ever replace that.
0: I love I love it. This office donut writes that they want everyone back in the building. They're offering all kinds of enticements. They say you can stay at home a couple of days a week. They're trying to be flexible with vacations and personal leave. There's a quality of life package it's all you know, wellness, schmelness, all this mumbo jumbo about reimagining the modern workplace. Office donuts are the solution. <laughs> it's a hilarious piece, but <laughs> it relates, Devin, to what we were what we were yes. talking about. But besides the tip of offering office donuts, Devin, uh, if if uh, what, what, what kind of what kind of help do you prov- <laughs> do you provide businesses who are trying to implement those five new culture trends in the workplace? How can you help? Well,
4: you know, there's two ways. <clears throat> One is what we're doing a lot of right now, which is our advising services. And so anything from, and and we look at, I say the full talent puzzle, which is all the way from employer brand and what you look like externally facing through to talent acquisition, to onboarding and integration, and then career passing. And some of the really cool work we've been doing lately has been around creating connection has been around feedback loops, um, getting to know what employees are looking for, and also creating a culture where they're open to feedback um, and a continuous learning culture where you're you're coaching and and critiquing and challenging and having discussions and and making progress versus kind of tiptoeing. You know when when you see. None of this is about organizations creating leadership that's martyrs. None of this is about organizations creating a giant complaint box because that's not gonna get anybody anywhere either. A lot of it is all about trust, um, intention, alignment of values, and creating a culture that is open to continuous learning and coaching in all areas so that you're creating a really progressive, growing culture. Um, And that's really fun work, and we do that quarter-time, half-time, and full-time. I don't have time for the full-time right now, but I've been on full-time engagements with organizations where we're really doing the work with them, real-time building stuff. Um, And then we're building out our Talent Store Now membership, and so as that starts to build out, we're going to have templates, resources, and different tools to access for our members and then deep discounts on any of our recruiting support, advising support, and other services we offer. So monthly, you can kind of get into these resources and um, get what you need in terms of what your HR operations teams need to start building culture, thinking about retention, and thinking through talent strategy.
0: I love it. And, and Devin, where can people go to uh, get a time on your calendar to discuss that uh, more in depth?
4: Yeah, you can go to yourtalentstore.com, and we'll take a look at where the pain points are for your organization right now and get a plan around how we can support the work you can do to, to move some of that forward. Um, it's fun work. It's, it's a heavy lift sometimes, um, but we really enjoy doing it. And, you know, our core business is finding key leaders and key position filling key positions for clients that really change the game. Yeah. But outside of that, we can't do that without a healthy culture that we're bringing people to. Um, and yes. so we're here to help you create all of that.
0: Devin, I love it and I've seen your work firsthand. I encourage anyone listening who runs an organization to, to get with you, Devin, and uh, get some time on your calendar. Devin as always, thanks for helping us navigate one of the weirdest labor markets in a real time in a, in a long time right here in Tucson. We'll do this again soon. Uh, Stay safe out there and uh, um, hopefully the allergies go away.
4: (laughs) Yes, I know. Thank you.
0: (laughs) Thank you, Devin. That's it for us today. (laughs) Hugh Hewitt's up next. Bill Buckmaster at noon. Peter Catalanote from Film Tucson tomorrow.